Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Rob Schneider. And I'm Kevin David Thomas. And this is Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Curtain and on Instagram at Broadway Curtain Podcast. And make sure to join our Facebook page at Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. Kevin, I am excited for today's guest. While audiences across America might remember her as Ted Knight's wife on Too Close for Comfort or Alan Arkin's wife in one of my favorite films, The In-Laws, of course, it was on Broadway where Tony nominee Nancy Dassault first got her start. Yeah. Uh, in the golden age of the American musical theater, Nancy worked with everyone from Julie Stein to Stephen Sondheim, from Cheetah Rivera to Phil Silvers. She was the first person to introduce audiences to such standards as Make Someone Happy, Cry Like the Wind, and one of our personal favorites, the want song to end all want songs, Rob's favorite, <laughs> Where is the Tribe for Me? I'll be playing it later. That's right. To tell us how she lost it to Mario Lanza, overcame the curse of Bajor, and how Liza Minnelli stole her Tony, here from Oxnard, California, is the two-time Tony nominee, Nancy Dassault. How did you discover musical theater living all the way down in Pensacola, Florida? Well, I was born there. I was born on the Naval Station because my dad was, he'd gone to the Naval Academy and was in the Navy. And I, but we never stayed there. I mean, I think I left when I was like eight months old. And I had never returned. Uh, we lived back and forth. We never went overseas because my dad, during the war when he was overseas, was always on secret missions. So we never, we never got to partake of, of that part. But it was, you know, I took my little piano lessons. I was mad for the piano, uh, my little tap classes and stuff. But it wasn't until I got into high school. My father was stationed at the Pentagon, and, and uh, we were living in Arlington, Virginia, and I went to a very big high school, Washington Lee High School, uh, and got in the choir. The uh, choir teacher, who was a graduate of Northwestern, and I knew we had a good choir because everyone wanted to be in it, and we traveled. We did concerts all over. But she came home from school with me one day, and sat my family down, and including me, and said, "Do you know that Nancy sings?" And she oh, said, I mean, really sings. Do you know that? You know, we all, including me, went no. <laughs> <laughs> she then. Um, I said, if you can afford it, whatever, I would like to recommend a singing teacher. And uh, so I started singing lessons. And I started doing little things around town. I started doing a local television show singing. And uh, it was so funny because I, at that point, I was in love with Jane Froman. Remember Jane Froman? Yes, of course. So my first song on television was I Believe. Do you remember that song? Yeah, that was your first one? That was my first one because I had a... You know, a big old, uh, big old voice, uh, and I kept I kept doing this show, which was really good for me. But then, that, then I had to join the union, and my parents wouldn't let me join the union. And then I also sang with a band. But the same teacher, Florence Booker, who I do talk about in my this act, she then uh, I was trying to get into Duke University where my sister went. Uh, but she said, "No, you're not. I want you to go to Northwestern." And she just picked up the phone and called them. Oh. like in March or something before that fall, because I had been accepted at Duke. Uh, 
and just said, take her, and they went, okay. So that's that's how I got in college, and now now I help kids get in college, and it's so yeah. Really yeah. hard. I, I can't believe what they have to go through. Oh, oh it's, no. it's rigorous. It's cool. Oh, my gosh. Were, were your parents supportive of, of you pursuing this career? No, uh, not at all, uh, but they... You know, they were thrilled that I got in this good school, and I was in the in the music department. I think if I tried to get in another uh, school at Northwestern, I might not have been able to get in, but uh, because of her persuasion. And and you know, then later I found out she was considered one of the leading music teachers in the country. She was, you know, top. Oh kid, wow! So, so her word did mean something, and you know, off I went, and uh, and that was probably the luckiest break of my life besides her telling me that I could do this mm-hmm. you know it's uh, I mean I didn't grow up doing shows in my garage and <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> dinner for my parents and uh, I I had no thought of going into the field or ambitions I like to sing right and my sister told me recently she said Jesus you sang all the time around that house. you're only crazy <laughs> and I don't. I don't even remember that. I don't remember that. I do know I used to make up songs when I was little and yeah. do all that, but it was, it was not my world, you know. Who Who are your favorite Who are, Who are your favorite singers? I didn't even have any till I was really in high school, you know. And then uh, I guess I saw Jane Froman on television, mm-hmm. and my I had only heard one show album. Which was Kismet. My sister brought me, oh, brought me that. Nice. Then uh, I liked. I started liking from the radio Frank Sinatra. Yeah. And then I mean I loved all those ladies in the movies. I mean you know I I I loved Deanna Durbin and Judy Garland and all those 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 ladies and the, and then I then I fell in love with Mario Lanza and I again I tell this story where we had one of those big radios that sat on the floor, you know, big oval-shaped radios, and the mm-hmm. speakers were stripped down the front of the radio. And I I used to uh, get a station where I could hear all these people. And when, I used, when Mario Lanza would sing a song, I would press my back up against the speakers because his voice used to resonate oh. my back and, and shake me up. And somebody said, that was probably your first sexual experience. <laughs> <laughs> you and, and Mario Lanza. Yeah, me and Mario Alonzo vibrating, <laughs> vibrating my backbone. It was just oh well. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I just didn't know. I didn't, you know, kids today from the time they're born know all these singers. They watch all those shows. And, yeah. Uh, I only knew a little bit from the movies. Uh, I didn't even. Now, what, what did you, what did you study at Northwestern University? I got a Bachelor of Music degree. You know, I, I went in and, uh, I mean, I was majoring in my voice, but uh, I thought I was a pretty good pianist, but they they informed me that I played with all nuance and no technique. So, uh, <laughs> they started me all over again. But, but, I, you know, it was great that I could play the piano. But I majored yeah. in voice. But I had to take conducting and uh, orchestration and, you know, wow. all those. But, uh, but then I started... You know, I got my first serious job where I, I got my equity card was when I was in college at a, uh, a Highland Park Music Theater outside of Chicago, uh, and that was a a big turning point for me. What was the show that you uh, got your equity card on? Uh, the first show we did was uh, South Pacific. Oh, nice! And were you Nelly? Uh, you know, again, I had a. Oh no, I was in the chorus. I was sixteen. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, okay. Right. Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah, that would have been yes, something. I was called JB, Jailbait, because I was. Nice. Two seasons. Because I started school early. So I was, uh, you know, underage. But yeah. again, at school, I had another teacher who just. She entered me in every contest. I sang excerpts from Carmen <laughs> with the Chicago Symphony. I won that. Wow. Uh, oh, God. You know, and there. Nobody recorded anything in those days. I did, yeah. um, and yet, you know, I did Carmen at school, the big opera, my last year, and I thought, what a shame. Yeah. Boy, because I would give anything to see that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bet you were brilliant. Yeah. When well, did, did you? Uh, yeah. Hmm? 
Had you uh, ever been to New York at the, by this time to see any shows or anything like that, even as a teenager? Yes, I went, and I, you know, I can't remember when. I think it was, uh, I can't really probably know the year, because I went and stayed with a friend. I remember seeing My Fair Lady, and I and saw Shirley MacLaine, because she was sort of a friend. Uh-huh. She was. She had just started in, I think, the drama game. I mean, I've got to, I've got to look myself. Yeah, so like 56 or yeah, so? 56, 19... 57, yeah. When was Pajama Game? Is that 56, 57? 50, yeah, yeah, 56, right. yeah. Uh, and did you see Julie Andrews in My Fair Lady? No, her understudy was in. Oh. And I, but, but what shocked me was, after having only seen movies, and of course I was sitting way up in a balcony, was, uh, I thought, oh, the floor's so dirty. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like the movies where they danced on these glass floors. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's all glossy. Everything was so sleek and beautiful. I was kind of stunned by that. And then I, I do remember someone taking just me to see, you know, bells are ringing. Now, what year was that? That would have been around the 56, I want to say, yeah. Well, then it must have been at that. Then I'm going to say that's when it was. I was in New York. And I. Wow. I, I remember we had tickets. A friend took me who I'd worked with at the Highland Park Music Theater, and he he knew Sidney Chaplin, who, who was in it. And, uh, oh, yeah. Wow. The standby. So we went to get coffee, and when we were waiting, he said, There's Judy, Judy Holiday. And I looked over, and there was this little lady with a babushka on. I mean, a real, like, old fashioned scarf tied around her head and dark glasses. And I was so stunned because she had black suede wedgies on with orange socks um, <laughs> and a big overcoat, a big old overcoat. And I said, that's the star of the show. And I was really horrified. Uh, and when she came out on stage, I I gasped. She was so adorable. I couldn't, and so wonderful. I couldn't believe mm-hmm. it, that, that that weird little person that I had seen <laughs> in the drugstore. I was getting coffee because I was just so enchanted with her. She was so adorable. Oh, I yeah. I couldn't. I was saying, for those of us who never got a chance to see Judy Holliday live, what made her so special? One, she was so darling to look at, you know, with the dimples and the smile and the eyes and the short curly hair. And she just, she one, she was very unique. I mean, like Bernadette Peters is very unique. She happened to be very unique with the voice, with the look that she had such a, uh, a, a reality about her, truthfulness about her, with all mm-hmm. that going on, and and uh, and she was funny, you know, just deliciously funny. And I hadn't seen anybody. She was the first one I saw that was funny, you know, <laughs> as a leading lady, you know, that was, uh, you know, because in the movies they were either tr- a true leading lady or they were a character actress. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't see you didn't see that combination of. Uh, of humor, and yet, could, you know, her voice was not, she was not known as a glorious singer, but, mm-hmm. you know, she sure had, knew, she sure knew how to do a song. Uh, I just loved her. I just loved her. Did you go to New York immediately after college? Did you graduate and then go right to New York? My, I had a job, uh, I think I missed my graduation. I had a job at the Gohasset Music Theater. So I went right, right there. And they, we were doing Can Can, and that was a theater in the round. Have you ever been to Cohasset? No. no, no, it's big. It's still going, but they do they do concerts uh, mostly now. Uh, and uh, but one day in rehearsal, and this was like within the first two weeks, uh, the girl in front of me went tearing down the aisle and tripped, and I I really tripped over her, and then then about five people fell on me, and. Uh, I really hurt myself, <laughs> and I, I continued in the show. I even opened it up, but then I, I reached a point where I couldn't uh, walk. I couldn't sit, and I couldn't walk. Oh, my and God. I was, I was dating someone then who, who uh, became my first husband, but he came up to see me, and finally he took me to a specialist because the theater doctor kept saying, oh, you pulled a ligament. Just lie down for a minute. Uh, but he took me to a specialist. He said, oh, my darling, you have to go home. 
I had cracked my spine and and herniated a couple of discs. I mean, I oh, was... Oh, wow. Oh, my God. ...in agony. And uh, so I went home. And uh, at that point, they didn't do back operations very often. And, the, you know, the doctor just said to my parents, if, if you'll take care of her, I don't want it. We don't want to even try anything with her, you know, because they said I was so young that I... They thought if I really stayed still, I would heal. So I laid down for about nine, ten months, and gradually did some therapy and wore back braces, and then then went to New York. Wow, <laughs> so ten months. That was that was just crushing for me. I remember just sobbing. You know, I thought my my life was over. Uh, and my mother, I mean, my my parents dragged the mattress and put it on the living room floor so I could watch TV. Oh. You know, my mother would vacuum around me every day. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't sit up. I couldn't, I, could, I would roll over to, on my side to eat. Uh, you know, I'd have to crawl to the bathroom. and uh, It was really, really a hard time for someone gung-ho, you know, ready to hit the, the excitement of New York. But I got there. <laughs> And I had money from insurance from the fall, so I even had a little little pot of money. <laughs> wow. You know, and I moved in with two girlfriends from Northwestern. We lived in a one-room apartment. Uh, Do you remember where you were living? Yes, it was on uh, 69th Street, right off Central Park. Uh, Lincoln Center was just being built. Oh. And the apartment, I have to say, was a big apartment. It was a big studio apartment. <laughs> There's a big kitchen and a very big bathroom. Uh, but we, we lived there together, and then the landlord gave us an apartment across the street that had a bedroom. And there were always people all over the floor because they were studying acting with Strasburg, and they were always working on scenes. I mean, it was quite the thing. I thought it was just absolutely fascinating and thrilling. Were you, tra were you training when you were in the city? Or were you or were you purely auditioning? I I I had a I finally found a a singing teacher and I uh, I took an opera workshop class class with the, one of the men from the Chicago Symphony and then uh, you know I was reading the trades and then I went I had a friend named Regina Dombeck who was she was a sorority sister and from Chicago and she was doing very well in New York as a model and weather girl and doing commercials and she I tagged along with her one day to her her commercial agent and I was sitting outside waiting for her reading the trades and she Mort Schwartz was his name the agent and uh, he said what are you reading and I said oh god there's this audition for the boyfriend I said but I don't have an agent and he said I'll call uh, he wasn't really a theatrical agent but he called and he got me uh, an audition and I remember I found a pianist who worked on West, he lived and worked on West 84th Street. And at that time, 84th, 85th were, and this is right off Central Park, for like those two blocks were the worst streets in New York. Uh, so to go there was, you were taking your life in your hands. Wow. So, they, so my friends told me, they said, when you get off the subway or the bus and you walk to his apartment, act like you're crazy. You know, talk to yourself and <laughs> so I did you know I jumped up and down until I got to his apartment and we rehearsed our number uh, which I uh, I sang uh, I even remember what I auditioned with I sang All I Do Is Dream Of You the whole day through do you know that song? oh yeah yes from most famous from Singing In The Rain yeah so I sang it slowly. That was my audition. I sang it slow with my English accent, and then I did it as fast <laughs> as I could, dancing every moment during the Charleston. And they all sat there kind of stunned, but I, I got the job. Uh, the boyfriend was running off Broadway then, and it was a huge hit. So I, I learned it with the cast and went in for a minute, and then I did a, a road tour. Nancy, was that your, like, first New York audition, and you booked it? <laughs> Uh, I booked, you know, I really have to look chronologically because I'm not sure if that was my first, my very first job. I did a couple of weird off-Broadway things, one called Dr. Willie Nilly. I do remember that title. Ooh. D Dr. Willie Nilly? 
Yes, I uh, and I'm trying to remember who was involved with that. I think Howard Alfred Drake was involved with that. Oh, wow. I have to look it up. I I know I have a program somewhere. I may have to. Uh, we mm-hmm. all may have to look it up. But I did. I usually got any job I went up on, and and I you know then I, I did Julius Monk's upstairs at the downstairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we wanted to talk, talk about that. Was that called Four Below Strikes Back? Yes, yes. So for our listeners who don't know, who was Julius Monk? Oh, my God, he was such a, a, a character. I mean, this club was so beautiful and it was so chic. And to be in one of these shows was just a living in. I mean, all the, and I'm going to say, they had all the good writers, like Holman, all these people used to write stuff for, the, for his reviews. He was from the South, Julius. He was very tall, slim, uh, the white hair, and, and everyone thought he was English. You know, a lot of uh, Southerners sound English. You know, oh my darling, you're so wonderful, you're splendid. You know, I, I auditioned him in his kitchen. He just dragged me in the kitchen to sing something. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I did, and they weren't ready to mount the show yet, so he, he said, just do a little act here. I don't know, and I don't remember at all what I did. Uh, sang a few songs every night, uh, but I had been there because Mabel Mercer had been in that room, and my my husband thought I should hear Mabel Mercer. So, do you remember some of the material you did in Four Below Strikes Back? I know I did a skit call, uh, about a film thing, and where I had to keep saying my father is a deviant, and I know my when my father came, <laughs> he did come to see the show. And then I sang a song, What a Wonderful Day to Be 17. I sang a song about Charlie Chan, uh, <laughs> which is really cute. I almost dragged that sucker out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll see it in the cabaret. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we did fun, fun things, you know. It was, it, and, it, I mean, that is the best training of all. That's why I think some of our, our best, Performers now come from Second City. All those things where you ha- you, where you do all the different crazy stuff, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was the Off Broadway show, Diversions, plus this one. You know, you were free to to offer, you know, other lines or your opinion or your whatever you want or try things. You know, you, yeah. you were encouraged to experiment. So it was uh, it was a real good training ground. But from, That's not- from the uh, Four Bullet Strikes Back is where I then got the audition for Dore Me. But meanwhile, I'm trying to see again. I've lo- I've lost the sequence of my working. Well, I I also I also was with the New York City Opera for two or three years. Uh, yeah, you you did uh, Carrie, I believe, in Carousel, but I think you did that in the in the mid '60s after. Um, yeah, that was yeah that was part of Gene Dalrymple's. I, and when I was going to ask Karen, because I, I can't remember, um, I didn't know if they did three shows in the spring and then three shows in the fall. I don't know if they did that many. But it was at City Center, and it was a big-time job. It was just a great job to have. But I, the opera company was separate. I was literally with the New York City Opera doing oh. lighter things. Like I did this, I did Street Scene and the Mikado, and they kept Julius Rudell was the... the uh, Conductor, and he kept bringing me in like every six months to sing for him. Oh! And the last time I came in and sang, I, who knows what, some little aria. He said, "I'm ready to bump you up." <laughs> oh! Like, bigger parts, more legitimate opera. And I went, "Oh no, I'm leaving." Uh, oh wow! I want to wow. do musical theater. I want to do musical theater, and he was quite disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, who do you influence on you as a mentor? Uh, Besides a couple of teachers, and I would say my teacher in New York, uh, Keith Davis, who at one point taught everyone, anyone who was on Broadway, he, he was their teacher, my teacher at school. And then, you know who was... As good to me as anybody could ever be was Phil Silvers. Phil oh. Silvers and, and Nancy Walker and that's that first show. They both kind of took me under their wing and, and uh they taught me so much. 
they they were they were really quite incredible, especially Phil, because I he's the one I had the most to do with on stage. And about a year or so ago, I ran into to a couple of his grandchildren at some function. You know, and I grabbed them and just said, I want you to know. <laughs> you need to know how great he was and how generous he was. And, and uh, he liked me because I didn't know all his stories. And like a lot of very funny men, he had a very sad side to him. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I would listen to all his stories, <laughs> all his showbiz stories, his ramblings about things. And I just loved him. I, I, I bet you. He just, I mean, like our opening night of Glory, I mean, my, my, that first song I sang, you know, Cry Like the Wind, uh, he just grabbed a chair, turned it around so his back was to the audience and said, sing it, kid, you know, let me hear this song. But he would, he would always say something under his breath, let him have it, you know, you're the best, uh, oh. crazy, crazy for you, whatever. You know, I was, you know, I was way downstage. I was very, very close to him and and the audience, so I was always a little, always a little nervous. Uh, but he just and when I was on stage doing something, was I remember one day at rehearsal, uh, I had a tendency because I most of my experience on the stage had been in the round. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, I was gradually learning how to do proscenium, but I used to kind of upstage him because I would usually hang behind him, which I thought was out of respect. Yeah. One day he just put his arm around me and brought me down. He said, you deserve to be right here with me. You deserve to be right downstage, right in the front of everybody. I mean, he would say that kind of a thing. Wow. And, uh, you know, he taught me how to listen, to really listen on stage and how to, I mean, he really kind of freed me up in another way. And he was so good. I couldn't mm. get over how. His energy and his every instinct was right, and he sang great. You know, he was so musical. Uh, yeah. And he made me laugh one day. He said, you know, the writers are waiting for me to ad lib. He said, I'm not going to give them one line until I've squeezed them dry. <laughs> 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 they knew the show wasn't working totally out of town, you know, and he, but he was great. And Nancy and I became close friends, which people couldn't believe that because she always had a reputation as being kind of difficult. She used to tease me. She said, good God, I'm in love with an ingenue. Who thought I would ever like an ingenue? (laughs) (laughs) It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. But those early years were, you know, and, and, and Julie Stein. I mean, they all were so generous to me. And Julie, you know, he would ask me all the time, do you like this song? Because I'll write you another one. The first song he wrote for me, Before Cry Like the Wind, I didn't like. And I told him. I actually didn't like the way I sang it. I thought it was really too difficult. I, I didn't think it sounded like a folk. It was supposed to sound like a folk song. And uh, so he, you know, he, he said, he kept saying, I want you, you and John Reardon, he said, I want you to blow their heads off when you sing. I'll keep writing till, you know, I give you songs that make the audience, you know, just go crazy. And they did. I mean, you know, you don't run into, writers don't think that way anymore. No, and I, no. didn't know that, I didn't know that Julie had also been a voice teacher, voice coach. So he, he knew the voice, you know, he also... And, and his first concern was, uh, you know, for the singer. So he he did well by us. He really well, did that's well special. Yeah. Oh, yes. 
Yeah. And, you know, I'm sorry that I, as the years went on, that I didn't stay closer to him because uh, he's still one of my most favorites ever. (laughs) This crazy little little man who was such a brilliant writer. I mean, Bill Summers said so cocky. He was so successful so early, he said it. He used to go to his publishers in the Brill Building and just open the door and throw them on the floor. Here's another one. You know, here's another kid. <laughs> and walk out. So I'm really happy that I, I, I got there early enough to, to experience the Brill Building and, and, and these writers. I made a list before I did this recent act. I made a list of all the composers I had known and worked with and... I was stunned because it's it's really quite a quite a group. I oh, yeah. And then you received a Tony Award nomination for Do Re Mi. Yes, I did. The first of two, I believe. Funny thing about that was at that time. I mean, I truly was a uh, secondary player. You know, I was not the star of the show. Uh, but also in my category was uh, Tammy Grimes. And Gina Rivera, but they Ooh. they weren't in the star category because their name was not above the title. Your name had to be above the title. Oh. So all well, the, and then years later, when I was nominated for a Tony for Bajour, uh, and I had a pretty good shot at it at getting the Tony. But the day before the announcement came out, Al Prince put Liza's name above the title so that she could compete in the starring role. Oh. oh. I went, oops, there it goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, that was awkward because, you know, of course, in Bajur, I was working with Cheetah. And, uh, oh, yeah. Not, and she was not nominated, but by God, we got dolled up and we went through the ceremony together. Yeah, and, you uh, did. <laughs> and we, uh, I, I tell this in my act, too, I said, we sat, at, it, it, the Tonys at that point were held in some hotel room or something, uh, a, you know, a ballroom. And I knew I was in trouble because our table straddled two rooms. I mean, we weren't even in the main room, really. Uh, you know, so we, we knew. <laughs> My chances were slim. But, boy, we were dolled up. We had our phony hair pieces on and our eyelashes and our phony nails. <laughs> that era. Uh, and we had a ball. And she and I became really close friends, and we still are. So that that made up for any any. Disappointment, you know. <laughs> hey, where are we? <laughs> oh, well, yeah, well, here we go, Nancy. I'm about to ask you about one of my favorite musicals, which is Bajor. I, you know, I listened to that album not too long ago. That is a really good album. <laughs> it is a great yeah. album. Yeah, I, I'm going to say it is a great album. We really love it, and we have a lot of students and a lot of our audience that loves it. Even more than we do, if that's possible. So um, you have to come see this act because I'm actually doing the entire. Where is the tribe for me? <gasps> okay. Yes. Yes. So I did when I sang at the Russian uh, tea room a couple of times, and I did like eight bars, and then the next time I came, I would sing twelve bars, and then the next time it would be you know twenty bars. But I, I, I started going over it with my my pianist and he just said you have to do this whole thing the best songs ever (laughs) you know (laughs) I haven't I haven't sung this song in 50 years all the way through Uh, so get ready (laughs) I can I cannot wait so I have to I have to ask you about this song Um, were you able to do all of those noises and they discovered that and they wrote the song around that? Or did you learn how to make all those sounds? How did this go? That was the song, and it originally was longer. I had to, you know, I don't know what I, I don't remember what I auditioned with when I originally auditioned for the show. But uh, then they gave me this song, and, and uh, I laughed because my pianist was a man named Dick Benedictus, who was a stunning uh, uh, pianist who, who later became a very famous uh, television composer. I know Dick. Uh, do you know Dick? Yeah, yeah. But wow. he uh, had a broken uh, arm. Uh, oh. He played this audition. So. And the song was about 10 minutes long. Originally, <laughs> still long. I think it's eight minutes. I think it's seven minutes or something long. Uh, 
and I laughed because you know he was just playing away, but you'd hear his uh, you'd hear him clunk clunk <laughs> on the piano because you know his arm was all <laughs> braced up, and he actually got the job that day as a as the uh, dance arranger. Yeah. So he even beat me getting getting the job. I wish I could remember who was up for it beside me. I don't. I just don't remember. Uh, I think somebody had mentioned, yeah. A school, a school contacted me because they wanted to do, to do the show. And I always say the original script was a really good script. Uh, it needed some work, but it. But what happened was, you know, Cheetah was a star. And it turned out that my role was the better role. So mm. once they got out of town, they, they, in trying to make it better for her, uh, it got messed up a bit. It got messed up a bit, and uh, they never could. They never could then get it right. At one point, uh, our champion was going to come in because he he felt that he could really pull the show together. Uh, and he was, you know, and he loved Cheetah so much. But it, it meant uh, firing the director, the choreographer, a couple of cast members, two cast members, I remember, and they just. The producers uh, backed out, but they. Uh, they oh, how f- fascinating! Uh, fascinating. Find, you know, I couldn't find. Uh, I should ask Cheetah. Uh, I couldn't find the original script. I only had a later one, and I'm really sorry that I that I that I couldn't find it. That I didn't keep it. You know, it didn't occur to me at the time. We were so busy. Sure. You know, there were so many rewrites and trying to keep track of what what was. Uh, that's it was a hard show. It was a hard show, and I got sick. I don't know if you. I got very ill when we were on the road. Oh, really? I did not know this. I've never been sick. I mean, I where it affected my voice. I'd never had that happen. So psychologically, I went into a spin. And when we got, and I think I missed one night uh, on the road, and I had. I was going to say a terrible understudy. She just wasn't good. I mean, and God forbid they should get someone who could have really done it. They did. And then when I came into New York, uh, I went to my own doctor, and he said, oh, my God, they've misdiagnosed you. They've missed everything. And I was put on all these drugs. And and he kept saying to me, and and at that time when we came into New York, we started doing previews. We didn't have a day off. We did previews, 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 show open, show, 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 and and then the recording. So... And, and, you know, my doctor kept saying, if you can get one matinee off, just one day where you don't have to do so much, he said, I think you can, you know, rise above it. Uh, but I started losing weight. I mean, it was just a nightmare for me. And I stayed doing the show, and I, you know, got good reviews. And But I finally got so, uh, and I think it was mostly psychological. I got so ill, I passed out once in the middle of the show. And, oh, my goodness. So I finally... Uh, got out, and and at that point they they were allowed by the rules, equity rules, and everything, to send me to a doctor of their choice. So I went to a doctor of their choice, and you know I came in his office, and he was a, he was a German man, you know my voice, my speaking voice was husky, everything was, and he said, oh my darling, you're in such trouble, and then he recorded me, and I sounded fine. It's like it was like the voice sounded like it was okay. He said, no wonder they don't think you're sick because for some reason, <laughs> you, you know, your voice sounds very clear. But I couldn't hit certain notes and it, I, you know, it just wasn't strong. And it, uh, and like I said, I was such a mess. And, and what they did, oh, the other thing they did all, during the uh, previews, when they knew I was having a little trouble, and, I, and when they knew I wanted to take a day off or I wanted to, you know, two days off, whatever, they would always make sure someone was in the audience that I could see that was close enough, you know, to the stage, like Florence Henderson. They'd always have somebody sitting there that could have replaced me. They did, oh. that, to, they did that also. They were really stinkos. Oh, um, man. And I, and I wasn't strong enough to say, you know what, or, or just not come one night. You know, I, I could have just called in and said, you know, I can't make it tonight and put on the understudy, because they, they would not have had time to replace me, really. You know, I, I wasn't thinking straight, and obviously my agent wasn't thinking at all, so. Oh but I finally did get out. 
But that same doctor, their doctor, gave me some medicine, and he said, "You take these pills, and you'll you'll be fine, and you give your nose, and it'll be good." Well, the pills had me singing like a lark, so I didn't give my notice. Mm. And when I came back to him, he was horrified because he said, "You know, I can't give you any more uh, <laughs> steroids." I mean, they were very strong right. steroids. So, but I eventually got out, and I stayed out for a month. That was the only way they could find a replacement. And, uh, oh, God, she was the star of little me. Uh, Nancy. Um, no, no, the younger Belle or whatever. Oh, the young Belle. Uh, blonde. They had a big old voice, and she wouldn't. Virginia Martin. Yeah, Virginia Martin. I didn't have to stay up for a month to get well, but she demanded that she get at least a month, you know, in order to take over the part, so. He did, wow. and then I came back when we I finished the run, but that was so traumatic for me that whole experience that I didn't sing for years. I didn't sing for two or three years. Wow! Uh, and so then, Nancy, by the end of the '60s, you've played just about every single great role in musical theater. You've done Nellie, you've done Carrie, you've done uh, Sharon and Finian's. Are there any roles that are still on your bucket list, or any roles you boy go? I wish I got my hands on that one. Well, the one I haven't done, and I, 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 I don't know if I could do it physically, is uh, Sweeney Todd. Uh, uh, I did do, I sang with the Pittsburgh Symphony uh, a Sondheim evening. It was, it was, oh, God, what a glorious job that was. I think they had 60, 70 pieces in the symphony that night. It was an all Sondheim oh. concert, and it was with me and George Hearn and uh, like three other singers. So we did that huge hunk <laughs> of Sweeney Todd, and I, I mean, Karen's done the role, and I said, Jesus, did I have to work on that sucker? I think I spent a month working on that scene. Mm. And George Hearn, who is the the best I've ever, he's just the best. Again, he's one of those really generous performers, because he'd just done it at the Philharmonic in New York with Patti LuPone. Mm-hmm. You know, they did that in concert. Uh, and I asked him, I said, please, please, don't hesitate to give me any <laughs> any little suggestion or nuance. And he was so darling, he said, I don't have to tell you anything. Uh, just, oh. just go. But he was so good to work with, you know. He, he's one of those that you just get better and better mm-hmm. because he's damn good. Uh, and it was a thrill. I mean, but I never got to do the whole show, you know, so. Well, I think you could still do it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe, but, uh, but I'm glad I at least got that, you know, yeah. to do that with him. That, uh, that made me real, real happy, and especially with such a big, fat orchestra. Oh, and, yeah. And so, the... Instead of, uh, it's, and again, that was at City Center. I did two things. That was the best production of Carousel. That was as good as any production, I think, ever. Really? Connie Towers, Connie Towers was Julie and... Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, Christ, his name. His mm-hmm. name just went out of my head. Uh, he was so... And I I was Carrie, and uh, Jack Delon played my, my boyfriend. And he was a little plump... He was a wonderful <laughs> character actor with a tenor voice that soared to the heavens. You know, and I sang about Mr. Snow, and he walked out. The audience just went crazy. <laughs> uh, I, I've got some pictures from that. I just, it was just a beautiful production. The other thing I did for City Center was they did a production of Fiorello that we took to the White House. Oh, wow. Really? And Lyndon Johnson was the president then, and there were so many people who said, oh, you can't go there, you know, because they really disliked him. And I said, oh, no, no, no. Don't you see? That's when you have to go. <laughs> you have to go see what really goes on. Uh, and they were wonderful to me. Mrs. Johnson invited my parents to come, but they got too nervous. They wouldn't come. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't come. But they wanted to cut the number, the bum one. And this was a, a meeting of all the governors and the senators uh, in Washington at that time. So that's who was going to be at this big function. I said, I said, you can't cut. Of all the songs in the show, because my family was still living, you know, right outside of Washington, I said, you can't cut that number. And, of course, it brought the house down. Yeah, yeah of course. More so than any other song, and that was a thrill. You know, that was that was just a perfect show to do there. <laughs> so that was great. That was great. So I mean, what a 
you've had so many great roles. This is this is incredible. Um, it is, and you know, working on this this act, my life upon the wicked stage, uh, was really difficult to to weed out songs and five songs, you know, find figure yeah. out what I really wanted to sing. And I then I asked my musical director, his name is Christopher Marlowe, and he's he's just stupendous. <laughs> Did he like putting together medleys? And he just kind of stared at me. Uh, but we, together, along with my husband, who, always, who is a director, he helped us put this thing together. You know, I make cards, you know, they're index cards. Mm -hmm. of about 100 songs, and then we wheedled them down. But this, it is about nine minutes long, 19-minute medley. And it really turned out great. Oh, right. I cannot wait to hear it. Wait, she said, I started to cry during that medley. She said, it's oh. every frigging great song you could think of and she said and I did so many of those roles too so anyone in the business got very sentimental about it all wonderful it was it was a perfect reaction and because uh, I didn't know if it would hold you know if, uh, I even said at the beginning of the act even if you don't know who I am or whatever I said you know it's this is all about the music and the men and women who wrote it that's yeah you know I want I wanted to take take to take it off of me you know, me, me, me. Uh, I think it's a smart idea. idea. Turned out to be about that, which was very satisfying. So I, I cannot, cannot wait, wait to, to listen, listen to, it. to it. Oh well, you're wonderful. I'll come get you if you don't come. I'll just <laughs> oh no, we <laughs> oh, we'll be there. We'll be there with bells on, probably <laughs> we'll singing there. along with you. Um, so then you can find Walter Walter Marks who because uh, you know after revisiting the show and I listening to the album again, because I was trying to listen to everything I'd ever done. Uh, I thought, God, he was such a clever, wonderful writer. Yeah. And I, I know he's done a couple of things since, but I thought, what a shame. That show was such a disappointment because it never achieved what it should have. Uh, so I would like to see if I could find him and uh, see, if he could, see if he could come. That would be great. I mean, I, I think it's time for us to re-examine and reinvestigate that show and that score because I really do think it's fantastic. I just don't think it's gotten the credits deserved yet. Um, so th then in the 1970s and early 80s, you do a lot of television work, a lot of film and TV work. Um, did, did you always know that you were going to be going on to film and television work or did that come as a surprise to you? Oh, what was, what was interesting, and this is a... You know, I did uh, a play down at the public uh, when Joe Papp was running it. You know, I did a play called Trelawney of the Wells, mm -hmm. which just got stupendous reviews, and uh, but it was a uh, newspaper strike, so it didn't run oh. as long as it should have. And that was a big, big thing for me. And at that moment, my manager said, if you don't come out to California, he said, I, I won't be able to book you anymore in the summer or anywhere if you don't get on television. Uh, oh. And I lucked out, and Joe Papp was so mad that I left New York to go there, but I did, and uh, I lucked out because I got a series. I got a series. Uh, and then, because of that series, you know, my husband <laughs> and I would, we, we would mount a show every summer that I could tour in, because I did, I'm getting my act together a lot, and things like that, so he was right, you know, but he, he said, if you're not on television... They're not that interested. <laughs> you know? That's fascinating. So you had to have a large TV presence before you could start doing a lot of the summer stock and a lot of the regional theaters. I mean, I had done some yeah. to be to be able to continue. Uh, John Kinley, a man who had owned three theaters in the Midwest, was the first one to start that. Hired hired TV stars for his summer summer theaters, and then he, he it proved to be really successful. And it still is. No, that's who's on Broadway. Half the people on Broadway are not that they are incapable of doing that job either, but they they become famous because of television. Yep. Did you enjoy going on the road? I, I did, uh, especially later, because you know uh, when I was married to my first husband, I didn't. I never went on the road except I had to do Dory Me because it was in my contract. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, just, I didn't understand that. Uh, oh, another fun kind of thing. The thing is, I didn't mention was uh, when I went into side by side by Sondheim. I, the only time 
first time and only time I ever did that. I put it in my contract that I got to sing Sins in the Clowns. Because uh, that was the only song I knew when I went, when I was... <laughs> I have to say, and we'll, we'll show this to our listeners, but there's a beautiful clip of you singing uh, Send in the Clowns on YouTube. There is? Yeah, I watched it last night. Are you sh- oh, really? I've never yeah. seen anything Send in the Clowns. And it was funny because they hired uh, Georgia Brown after me. They initially offered the show to me and Karen, because Karen and I have been doing our... We've been doing, you know... Your TV show. And she could not do it because she had just done a pilot. Ah. And uh, couldn't get out of it. She had to wait and see if the pilot sold. So they brought in Georgia Brown. And I, at one point, Hal Karen said, you know, Georgia would really... It, that would be a really good song for her. And I just said, yeah, it would. <laughs> <laughs> you. I want to sing it. And, you know, and Georgia was... She, again, was a wonderful dame. She just was great. She said, oh, honey, I don't care. I'll find something, to, you know, something else. <laughs> uh, so. I love that. What I have her online is from Side by Side, which I was so glad. I don't have a video of it, but it's a singing um, a song called The Two of Us. It's uh, written for Kukla, Fran, and Ollie. Yes. That they had ever done, and, a, and then when Bert Tilstrom took over as the narrator at the, for the last few months of Side by Side on Broadway, uh, they, they put the song in then, mm. and, uh, and some the nice man sent me a copy of the music, because I didn't even have a copy of the music, you know, somebody had the soundtrack of it, and it's amazing what, what people have. <laughs> Yes. Oh, it is. I w- and Shocking. I will send you the, the clip of you singing Send in the Clowns. I will do that tonight so you can take a look at yourself. And then, not a lot of people know this. You you were the first anchor of Good Morning America. Is that correct? That is correct. And that came out of the blue. It was funny because I was in California just for a while, and I, kept, I had gotten like three phone calls from, uh, let me hope I remember his name. It will come to me. Uh, a producer that I knew, and I thought, oh, God, he's asking me to do another benefit. And I, so I didn't return phone calls for days. And finally I went, Nancy, yes, I do talk to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Being more professional, so I called him back. And he told me about the show and, the, and wanted me to come in and meet Leonard Goldenson. And uh, I said, why did you even think of me? I mean, why did... They'd already hired David Hartman. I said, this is out of the blue. And he, he said, well, I've seen you on the Merv Griffin and the talk shows. And I, I and, and the fact was I had done very few of them. And I didn't finally, I didn't frankly think I was that good. Uh, but anyway, I went in and met Leonard Goldenson, and he told me all about it. And then, then I, they took me into a studio, like, the next day. And David interviewed me, and then I did weather reports, and I read commercials and did all this thing. And, you know, we started in like a week. Wow. Uh, about being unprepared for a job. Jesus. Uh, and they were going to start live immediately, but they, they couldn't. Uh, the crew, nobody was quite ready to, to do that. So, but that was a tough job because I didn't know what, what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but God knows I loved it. I, I just met everybody in the world. I mean, talk about a wonderful job, you know, but it was hard for me being a Broadway lady to get up at uh, three or four in the morning or five. Because, oh, no. like, the day of the uh, Macy's parade, I had to get up at three to go watch them blow up the balloons. <laughs> Tell us very quickly, though, about your involvement at UCLA in their musical theater program. How did that happen? Yeah. We, I was a, uh, a student of a very, very good friend of Nancy Walker's husband, David Craig. Mm-hmm. He was very good friends with a man named Mel Shapiro, who was head of the department at UCLA. And they were left money by Ray Boulders to start a music theater program. So I was recommended. Uh, so it was just me and a choreographer who started, it started the program. And my first class was with the MFAs, which was great fun. And uh, and I stayed for about five, five and a half years, and that was. And then 
that kind of the money wise and I had Karen hired and some other people hired. Uh money became an issue for them, so they let us go. Uh mm-hmm. wow. to job people to job in people by the quarter. It was easier for them to do that. <laughs> but at least I did it for a while and it was and passed on all your knowledge to to the next generation of artists uh nancy i i cannot even teaching i still teach and do private coaching and my husband and i both uh taught every summer for like 12 summers with the broadway theater project down in florida and then uh, the performing arts project which is in north carolina so we and now we just kind of do it every now and then if someone needs some help you know we we do that so that's good. That's all good. Yeah. That's great. Nancy, I, I cannot even begin to tell you how much we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Mm-hmm. And there's more. We know there's more. Oh, oh there's, oh, there's, oh, there's, there's so more. much more. It was a real pleasure to talk with you both, and uh, I'm flattered that you are so interested. So thank you. Well, we are honored, and we cannot wait to see you at 54 Below. Tune in next week for orchestrator Larry Moore. Some primitive stage is that unstudied breed who've somehow managed coming of age unhelped by Margaret Mead. Where, where, where is my ethnic group? Where are those savage pre-Adamites who live unseen, unknown, waiting to show me puberty rights that I can call my own? Until you get the bird Like some unfrocked theologist I haven't got a prayer I'm not an anthropologist Until I write a diatribe On why a tribe is there But where, where can they be at? Tell me where, where is the tribe for? Sometimes I, I see myself searching, searching through the jungle dark and deep on safari, searching for my tribe through the wild birds and the poison darts and the jungle cats and the sea, sea flies. Food gone, water gone, all the guides have run away, and the drums, the drums, searching for my tribe, through the boa constrictors, and the gorillas, aha, and the quicksand, and the sea sea flies. With dry rot. But wait. Wait. Look there. Look there. Through the giant bushwood trees, grass huts, cooking fires. Can it be my tribe? Now they're coming. Strangely painted savages, and at last I found them. Here is the tribe for me. No more laughing hyenas. No more stampeding yalba. No more drums. Bubble away. No more tss. And now they come to greet me, crying, Buana, Buana. Well, yes, I wanna, I wanna tribe. And they take me to meet their chief. And I enter a large hut, and I hear the strange music of. Oh no, it can't be, it's. Albert, you've beat me to it again. Albert, tell me, please, where, where, where is the tribe for me? One that has not heard of NYU, DAR, or LBJ. People who bear no allegiance to 
Weib vor mir. Tune in next week for orchestrator Larry Moore. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.